0: Heyo! Welcome everyone to episode 44 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this week we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I'm bringing Adam Pratt back on from Arcade Heroes. Um, He's been in the the blog scene, the arcade scene, for quite some time now. Um, He's quite knowledgeable about what he's talking about. So, I just figured we would bring him on and just chat, see what happens. So, uh, thanks for coming on, Adam. Uh, Welcome, how are you doing today?
1: Good, and yourself?
0: I'm good, I'm good. Um, let's just, uh, let's talk about some games, kind of get your opinion on them and what you think. Um, before we jump in, though, I just want to say thanks to everyone that's checking the channel out. If you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to subscribe, share, like on the YouTube channel or the podcast. And we did just launch a Patreon, so if you want to support us to help grow the scene a little bit, we'll do whatever we can for the community. So, Adam, let's talk about some of these indie games. I know you saw a whole bunch of them before everything shut down um let's talk about let's just go into killer queen let's jump into killer queen first so what are some things you really like about killer queen and what are some areas that you see could potentially be improved on from killer queen
1: um um, i think the things that i like about it is what everybody else likes about it and that's the multiplayer community aspects of the game uh how uh, it's brought people together a lot of strangers together that are into the game itself and they want to learn more about it and that helps locations like say one that i'm in uh i don't have killer queen but just as a general example uh, you know it brings people into the arcade and it fosters friendships it fosters uh, a friendly sense of competition Um, and so just the the design behind that was always quite brilliant, and um, I mean, I did uh, get it on the Nintendo Switch, played it a little bit there, but it's always better in the arcade uh, scene, especially if you come up across... When, when you're playing with random strangers that are right next to you, is far better than playing with random strangers on the internet, uh, and so that's one thing that I always liked about it but unfortunately due to the noise on my end i didn't catch the last part of your question there
0: <laughs> what are uh like what would you want to see either improved on the game or added to the game that you think would be interesting for the arcade scene oh gotcha
1: well um i guess with that one uh oftentimes just getting more arenas uh, well-designed arenas is probably a boost, um, especially for fans who are very familiar with the game. Um, I believe that they've been working on some kind of sequel. I know they did a kind of a spin-off for it, for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Abs in the Blood Queen, I think it was called. Um,
0: that Yeah, they did Abs in the Blood Queen a little bit. Um, I think they released that on Steam as well. Okay, right. And...
1: I mean, anything that's... If they came up with a new type of character, that could also be an interesting way. Just anything that uh, makes players say, wow, I want to go back and play this. I want to see what this is like. Uh, But, of course, I know that the design of that is already so well developed around the things that people expect. You don't want to change it too much, because if they broke, don't fix it, (laughs) Uh, sort of thing. Um, But, you know... If not, something added to the game, maybe if there was a sequel that did add some sort of new dynamic to it that could uh, you know, draw people in. I mean, I always did hope that they would release a smaller version, because my only problem with it really was the, the that you had to get two cabinets, and the cost on those was pretty high. And... As I've learned in my experience, unfortunately, a lot of indie games that are very high cost, it's very, very rare to know that they'll pay themselves off. And so it's really hard to justify making that expense when the game is within the same range as some other games from big-name big, big name companies that have licenses on them where it's like, you know, if I, if I know if I take Walking Dead or Jurassic Park, its money will be made back in pretty quick time. Uh, but with an indie game, it's always kind of a crapshoot. You don't know for sure just because it's oftentimes something unusual and you may have to teach people how to do it. And I guess that's another, uh, I guess, downside of Killer Queen is it needs somebody there to kind of show newcomers how to get into it, and uh, which is a problem that I think a lot of indie games may have as far as getting new blood into it to try it uh, to fully understand all the things that are in it because i mean you can develop an indie game that's really complex and very cool and but also intuitive Uh, you know easy to jump into but it just may have a lot of depth to it but if people don't aren't willing to explore beyond the initial play of it and really dig into that stuff then they may never come back and play it again, so they miss out on all that stuff. And so it's, it's always difficult to find a balance. And uh, I'm sure for game designers that have a vision, they want to do something specific, um, it can oftentimes be frustrating to figure out how you make a game work for all types of players.
0: Yeah, I mean, that also plays into location. I mean, that's a big thing is yeah. the places where Killer Queen is really thriving are in those those small arcade bars um, where they're getting that same kind of community that's coming out every week to have a beer and hang out with friends. And that's, that's where they gather. So that's, that's another aspect that is really big about all these Indies is where it's getting placed is very important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I think with some of my picks on Indies that I've picked up in the past, um, I haven't been the right location for them. And even though I may have, uh, a lot of retro games in the back, like Donkey Kong and his Pac-Man and, and stuff like that. Um, it's just, I don't serve alcohol. I'm in a mall, and so uh, I'm just not set up for that. So I don't get that crowd, and I don't get the, the crowd that's going to take their time on certain games like that. Uh, and that's unfortunately the problem I've run into with Cosmotrons, and I ran into it a little bit with uh, Deathstalker. Uh, or, sorry, not Deathstalker, um, rave. Um, speaking of Stalker, that's one that also has... It's tough. You really know where that game should go. It's a fantastic game, but it's unusual for arcades in that once you figure out what you're doing, you can spend a half hour on one dollar, which... For locations, like Dave & Buster's, they don't want to see that. They want to see people spending 5 bucks every 10 seconds, you know? <laughs> uh, but indie games usually want to reward people uh, like they were a console game where you get a lot of game time, you get a lot of bang for your buck uh, on that. And But, you know, there are certain aspects of the arcade that, you know, regardless of the location, you need to think about. And so I think that's where I've had some issues in that regard. But uh, soon I am getting an indie game that I think will do well. Um, By the end of this month, I hope to get Step Mania X uh, by Step Revolution. Um, I'm not sure if you've spoke with those guys before or not.
0: I have not. I don't don't even think I've heard of the game, no.
1: Oh, okay. Well, to uh, give you a a summary. uh, So Step Revolution, uh, the guy who founded that, his name is Kyle Ward. And he was working for Rockstar Games back in the day, where they did In the Groove, which was essentially Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, but it was similar enough to DDR that Konami sued them, and uh, basically gave them a cease and desist order, and said that we Konami said we have the patent for scrolling arrows and overlapping arrows, or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but. Due to that, the game in the groove got shut down. Uh, but then Kyle Ward came back a few years later, and he designed uh, ReRave, which didn't have anything to do with overlapping arrows. It was a touchscreen music game. Um, but then uh, he's really, his company released StepMania X not long ago. I think two years ago at this point, maybe three. And so it does have dance pads, but if you saw it at a glance, you would maybe think that it's DDR uh, until you got a closer look. Um, And he actually went to Konami and talked with them and made sure that this new design, it has arrows that float up from the bottom of the screen to the top, but it doesn't overlap anything. So it doesn't violate any Konami patent. Um, so he did something slightly different, just different enough to avoid any lawsuit, legal hassles. Um, but it's a brand new dancing game, and you know, for an arcade operator like me, I can't get my hands on DDR, not unless I want to spend an absurd, obscene amount of money uh, that just doesn't make sense. And so there is Pump It Up out there, uh, but it is a little bit pricey. Uh, with Step Revolu- or Step uh, Mania X. It's a fantastically designed game, very intuitive. Uh, it has a bunch of health uh, tracking options, like it tracks how many calories you burn. Um, I think they're finding a way to integrate it with uh, your phone or uh, maybe Fitbit. I can't recall on that. But it has brand new songs that they're releasing every month for free as well, and soon they'll hit about 300 songs. And so... Um, at one of my arcade locations, we've had a lot of people asking for a DDR. Um, but on one hand, it's like, yeah, I could find a DDR, but it's really tough. You, it's always hit and miss with those because oftentimes they're very beat up and they may have a lot of different technical problems. Uh, and so when I look at brand new stuff, it's like Stepmania X is a very good price for what you would get in that realm of game. Uh, it's a few thousand dollars below pump it up and several thousand dollars below DDR. And so uh, in that regard, it's like, you know, I want to support an indie company uh, on this. And then it's also a game that I know people will play. A lot of people will just see it and they'll think DDR, even though it's not, uh, but they'll know what to do. And so in that regard, um, I think my location will be good for that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like it, it would be a good spot, good thing for your location. Um, and I think that's a great idea to bring something in like that. Because, I mean, DDR, I always go to DDR and pump it up. Like, those are the ones that I always want to play because I played them a lot as a kid. I guess some of the other indie games that we could talk about, let's just, let's look at, like, things that you like or things that you would like to see added to the game for, like, uh, Death Ball or Galactic Battleground or uh, Switch and Shoot, any of those kind of games.
1: Right. Well, and I love those games because I've always been a uh, shoot 'em up fan at heart. Uh, it's uh, one of my favorite genres. Uh, well, I guess Death Ball is different in that regard. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to play Death Ball, and so it's hard for me to say uh, what else it could use. <laughs> um, but um, Galactic Battlegrounds, I I think it changed a little bit from when I played it at Amusement Expo 2019, although I I, I don't know how much it might have changed.
0: Um, yeah, just a couple small changes since the last time. Um, I think it was just maps and power-ups. Otherwise, it should be pretty much the same game. And then single player, it is done. Um, we are planning on reworking it. I'm um, not sure if that's going to be in the digital release that we have or if that's going to be in the cabinet. Um, we're still determining that.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, uh, I, I they'll ask you, have you done any testing to see if there are if there is interest for a single player out there on it on the cabinet one, or do you think it's better to just keep it multiplayer and incentivize people to go and play uh, at least two at a time, if not four.
0: We have a single player on there that is playable, um, and it's kind of like a ten level high score based kind of thing. Um, where you go in and you clear ten levels, uh, there are a couple bosses in there, and once you defeat the final boss, you basically get the high score, and that's that's kind of how it's ranked. Um, but we wanted to have a little more depth in it, so we're we're reworking it. But it is available now. Um, people have liked it quite a bit, um, but it's not like the shining star of the game. That's that's definitely sure. going to be the two versus two.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's I know that'll always be the uh, the, the thing there. Um, I can't remember, did you have anything like different ships or was it just uh, different color ships?
0: Yeah, we have different colored ships, basically. So Team Beta and Team Gamma have uh, different skins. So you have a couple different options. But we will probably be adding more ships to that um, once everything calms down and we start moving cabinets back out. Um, and we have finished our four-player cocktail as well. That's similar to that uh, Pac-Man cabinet that everybody's been oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. loving. So yeah. there, there's yeah. three different models now.
1: That's cool. That's cool, yeah. And I, I think I remember talking to you about that a long time ago um, on the four-player cocktail cabinet.
0: Yep, in Vegas. I think you were one of the people that recommended it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's, I mean... Uh, in my, I do have a battle royale here uh, in my location, and you know it's actually it's ten years old at this point, I think. And uh, actually, this month I, I got it ten years ago. This month, uh, but it still makes about the same that it did ten years ago, which is crazy. Now, granted, it's Pac Man. Uh, Pac Man's always going to have legs. Um, I think if Namco were smart, they would release a sequel or an update to that. So I... Don't know why they haven't really done anything. Although I did hear a rumor that they might be doing something along those lines again, but I don't know. Uh, never know with rumors. But uh, but yeah, that could be a, that, that would be the main thing I would think for a game like Galactic Battleground is uh, you know, something like that, and maybe even other indie games. Any of the multiplayer indie games, uh, you know, cocktail cabinets haven't really been done much by anybody. Uh, we, the one that you guys had at amusement expo, I think, was the two-player one. It, that was the first time I had seen anything yep. like that in years, and you know, there, there's still places out there that could benefit from something like that, uh, whether it's restaurants that like having. It's games. also
0: a really affordable option, too.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. Which, which is a big deal, and I think that's that should be a bigger deal now. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I have been kind of shocked. That a lot of the major manufacturers, so far, it doesn't seem like they've paid much attention to pricing. uh, As uh, you know, Rothchild's just released their King Kong VR game, which is over thirty thousand dollars. Sega just released their Mission Impossible game, which is also over thirty thousand dollars. And you know, it's like, for who's left? It like right now, what I'm looking at buying do not want to spend above $10,000 on something new. And there, there's lots of people that before the pandemic, they didn't want to spend that much money uh, over over that. But it's like all the major manufacturers, all they want to do is make places like Dave & Buster's happy, which I get that. You know, if you can convince Dave & Buster's to buy one of your machines or two of your machines for every single one of their locations, then you're golden. Uh, and so I, I don't fault them for that, but it's like there's thousands of locations out there that are small, uh, what they call street operations that aren't even a, exactly like mine where, you know, it's in a movie theater lobby or a gas station lobby or, you know, any little spot where you can shove a few games. You know, places like that can't have $15,000, dollars 30000 games in them anyway. Uh, and that's usually just a few thousand dollars, uh, but because there just hasn't been much of a selection in that range for past couple of decades, uh, that's why you usually only see like claw machines and bulk vending machines and stuff like that. And maybe the occasional upright video game. Um, but yeah, so I think you guys are in a good spot to, uh, be price competitive, which is good. <laughs>
0: I kind of want to talk about, you, you told me kind of a funny story before about this April Fool's joke, um, yeah. the Untitled Goose Game, which I thought was hilarious. And the video was awesome. It, I, I genuinely wanted to play it. I knew it was a joke. Unfortunately, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, but tell me a little bit more about this story and how that all came together.
1: So um, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I mean, Arcade Heroes has been around now for 14 years. And so I, I've had a lot of loyal readers uh, that um, will send me tips uh, or just comment on stories. And so uh, a few months ago, I had a loyal reader who had actually submitted a couple of things in the past for April Fools. Um, uh, he goes by JDebbie online. He's on Twitter, and I know he interacts with people, uh, but he's, uh, he's often giving me tips uh, when he catches something on location tests. And he has the most eagle eyes I have ever come across in anybody. As, uh, I think I remember the, mo- the time that I was most astounded by his skill was uh, he found some picture on Instagram of a reflection of a new game, a Ghostbusters game. Uh, it was in the reflection of some other game, but he was like, hey, uh, there's this Ghostbusters game on tests. I was like, that's crazy. How did you notice that on Instagram? But anyways, he had, uh, he'd submitted uh, super smash brothers arcades a few years ago. He did Doom Arcade last year. And then this year, a few months ago, he sent me this image of untitled goose game. And, uh, and I actually did have a couple of other people send me stuff that they wanted to go on the site, but it was like, I think this one is the best out of uh, what everybody had sent. And, he just sent me an image, and that's usually what he does. He just sends an image. Um, in the past, I might have had to do a little bit of touching up here and there myself, but this one, I just took that image and I came up with the uh, post myself, all, all the uh, text around it. Found that video, um, as that video was actually by House House, who uh, developed the game. Uh, but uh, it's like, yeah, this this would be a perfect. Game and I would be amazed if nobody touches that for arcades in the future. Uh, just because it seems like it would, as long as you adapt it and make it so that it's a fairly quick game. I haven't played Untitled Goose Game myself, so I don't know uh, how in depth it gets. But um, yeah, that that would definitely be a perfect one. But uh, uh, I. I have to tip my hat to J Debbie for that and uh, appreciate the laugh that he gave me first before I was able to make everybody else uh enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that was that was definitely a good one. I watched the video and thought it was pretty funny when they were uh I think it was they were like chasing the farmer around and they stole his hat or right. <laughs> whatever they did. I'll throw a video up so people can watch it. But um, I guess uh, another question that I would have for you as an arcade owner, what kind of advice would you give to any developers that are going into arcade cabinets? What advice would you give them to um, get into a location like yours? What, what would you say is like the best way to reach out? Um, What would be some big points that would be important to you? Uh, Statistics they can maybe provide things like that. Sure.
1: Well, um, for the most part, as long as you show up in person and uh, you approach, you're approach, you able to contact the owner or approach the owner, um, then it shouldn't be too difficult to be able to say, hey, look, I got this game. I think it would be great. I'd love to test it out here. Um, most donors would probably want to keep any of the earnings that it would make, um, and you would just want to be able to talk with them and set up something so that you can figure out how much money it's making every week, and make sure that the employees or the owner report back any issues or any other problems that they have because, uh, I mean, a typical arcade location test is going to have um, the team, The development team will generally spend a few days at least you know, observing people watching them play um, just from uh, a ways away and not interact with the customers uh, just to get the – raw, visceral, I guess you could call it, reactions from people and and see what it is that um, may need some tweaking. Um, And and any way that you can do that, um, uh, if you're not able to spend a lot of time at a location, if you can build a good enough friendship or relationship with the people at the location so that they can report back to you, uh, that can be a massive, massive Uh, Of course, uh, you might be able to um, program some kind of, um, I don't know, debugging would be the right word for it, but uh, something that can tell you uh, maybe kind of bookkeeping to tell you, you know, when it is that people stop playing, how long the average play is, things of that nature, which can help you determine as to whether or not people are playing again, continuing, or if they're walking away before they're, First credit is even out, uh, you know that. That's always the thing that no developer wants to see um, is people put in say like a dollar to play a game, and because they're confused or frustrated for some reason, uh, then they walk away. And oftentimes, those people won't even complain to the um, to the site. Like if they if the, if something doesn't appear to be broken, you know, like say if the if the joystick works, the buttons work, and all of that. But the game is just frustrating for some reason, you know. Then they they won't probably they probably won't say anything about it. But if you are there watching and observing that, you can see it. And uh, you know, for me, I, I've seen that happen a lot at trade shows where people aren't putting any money into a machine. Uh, but it's you can always tell what is more of a hit versus a miss at a trade show because since nobody is putting any money into anything. Is the game compelling enough to keep them playing for free or not? Um, and so that that that's another thing too that might help indie developers is if you can get to trade shows. Granted, right now there pretty much aren't any happening. <laughs> uh, but so like down the road, back when things are normal enough um, that you could do that, um, you know that that's one way. And of course, that's where I met you as well as. Um, a few other developers to be able to see the games on hand and find out what was going on behind them. And I I personally always love talking to the developers to uh, get the lowdown on all that stuff. Um, But yeah, just building a personal relationship face-to-face with somebody at a location. But also, I'm sorry if I'm rambling here, but... um, Another thing that comes to mind is try to get in as many locations as you can. Uh, because one problem that I've seen some indie devs do is they may only really get into one, maybe two locations. And that doesn't give you a very broad spectrum of of players and location types. Kind of like how we mentioned earlier. The Killer Queen does great in bars. But in a location like mine, I don't think it would do as well uh, just because I'm not able to do the same things or it doesn't have the same social dynamic going on. And so um, you, you want to, if you can, get in as many different locations as possible and, and test for a few weeks if you can. Six weeks tends to be the most common um, range. But, um, I mean, yeah, if you can get into a Dave and Buster's, that's awesome. Um, but otherwise, you know, getting into a bar arcade, getting into a retro arcade, um, or even a street location where there's nobody around and just see how it holds up. Now that's probably the best way to test your hardware, um, is, you know, putting it onto an unmanned location because people are brutal and they will beat the snot out of machines, especially if they know that nobody's around and so sometimes you may not you may think that your design works but you put it out there and you can discover some things pretty quickly (laughs) that may not uh be as tough or durable as you had hoped
0: yeah i mean those are all really good points and they're definitely very important for anybody that's looking to get into arcades and I, i like your point about testing it is smart to test in a lot of different places and arcades or arcade bars that are in different kind of demographics so you have an idea of will it do well in a standard arcade will it do well in an arcade bar like what am I looking for who's my target audience really right. um, and yeah. that's a good way to really figure out the game because it's different if you just release an indie on Steam and it's just like anybody that likes us play it yeah you, you don't get that when you put it on site
1: yeah yeah exactly it's such a different dynamic. I mean, it would be great if you could get some of the stats off of Steam because, you know, there are wish lists that developers can look at and you can kind of compare it to other games and things of that nature. But, you know, the the thing that I've always read about developers doing location tests, uh, like a lot of the ex-Midway guys talk a lot about, like when they put Mortal Kombat out on tests and they watch people play it or NBA Jam, and you know that's really satisfying, I would think, as to be a developer and to see people reacting positively to your game. Now, of course, there is always the danger of the flip side and seeing people have negative reactions. But still, that's something that you can learn from. And it's important to be able to adapt to your game and to be able to change things. I mean, sometimes that can be tough if it's a feature that... You really really invested a lot of time and money into and thought into um, but if it's not working for a lot of people then it has to change it, it, as long as you're going into the arcade environment um, but you know it, it really is invaluable and then on the the side that a lot of people like me look at probably more so than anything else now I personally I do look at this but I don't give it as much weight as most operators do, because I also look at things from a, a, a gamer perspective as well as a, um, a, a blogging perspective, but that's how much money does it make. So what that is, is how much revenue does the game make per week, and how long will it take for the game to, on average, pay itself off. And if you do a lot of testing at different sites, that allows you to say, well, in a bar arcade environment, it would take maybe you know 18 weeks to pay itself off, and an FEC environment, 24 weeks, and a retro arcade environment, 36 weeks. But if you can go to a an operator with numbers like that, positive numbers, then that can help them. Uh, that can help them say, hey, I want to buy this because I know it'll have itself paid off in this many weeks. But oftentimes most indies have not had those numbers. And so um, while there have been a few people out there like myself who just want to take risks on things uh, and, uh, or support indies uh, or we find a game that we just think ourselves will do fine, Um, you're missing out on a lot of potential sales because you don't have those numbers. And unfortunately, there's just some that that's all they care about. They just want to know how fast it will pay itself off because obviously, you know, it, it is a big investment. It's going to cost them several thousand dollars or a few thousand, several thousand dollars. And so they want to know how long is it going to take for my investment to come back? And of course, if it's going to take a few years to come back, then that, they may say, well, I'm not interested. Uh, and so that's, of course, why testing is also key to find ways to improve its revenues uh, so that it is the game that you want, but also a game that will make operators happy. Uh, and so that, that's the weirdest thing about the arcade industry that um, a lot of like console gamers just don't understand uh, or writers, uh, journalists on that side... It's just that the first customer for a develop an arcade developer is the operator, because if you can't convince an operator to buy your game, then none of the players are going to ever be able to see it, and so it it does unfortunately create a kind of a gatekeeper sort of atmosphere. And I know there's some people, some gamers out there that don't like people like me Um, because of that but at the same time too it's like if you make a game that earns really well that means you're making the players happy too and so that that's where it really benefits everybody
0: yeah i mean i think that's a perfect way to phrase it is it it really does like you got to know when the money comes back as well as that's the biggest struggle as someone marketing these games is yeah are the operators going to be interested if it takes a little bit longer to make its money back and sometimes with these games it's are the operators or the arcade owners going to put in effort to show off this game? Cause that's how killer queen really is huge is they hold uh, weekly tournaments and they have events and they do national tournaments and there's a big scene around it. Yeah. And there are people in the community that go to these arcade bars that don't work for them, aren't affiliated with them, but love the community and they help set these events up. So that's, that's huge. It's, it's hard to get into these places unless you have something similar to that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, sorry, I'm just shutting down my arcade <laughs> here, which will help me hear a little better too. But uh, I, all my customers are gone at this point, so might as well. But um, yeah, yeah, that's it, it's it, it can be a tough thing just because it's not the way you think when you're developing console games. But if you can nail that down and nail the gameplay down. Uh, you know, specifically making the game work for an environment like the one that I'm in, then, uh, yeah, you'll have success. And, and then you can also get that benefit. I mean, obviously, the Killer Queen uh, phenomenon is difficult to reproduce. You know, everybody wants to, but, but it's tough to build a game that gets people so excited that they're going to teach other people how to do it. Uh, because unfortunately you can't rely on people like me, like the arcade operator uh, to be able to do that because usually, you know, we just have employees and, or we might not even have anybody around. It might be an unmanned location. And so, um, you know, it's how do you achieve that lightning strike that Killer Queen did with um, getting that community behind it? It's, I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, that's still a good thing to aim for. And I think uh, it comes back to uh, you know testing your game out and um, you know going out yourself on those location tests. And you know there there is a time to observe without talking or interacting with the players, but there also can be a lot of benefit from talking to players and saying, "Okay, so what did you like about this? What didn't you like about it?" and um, and then you can find ways to have the game, uh, offer service to the player to help them understand those things that may not be said or, uh, may need a little bit of explanation, but th- there's always ways to convey information to the player so that they'll want more.
0: Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, I guess that's kind of everything I had for you this week. Um, I'm sure we'll do this again. I always love talking to you because you, you do know so much about the arcade scene. Um, I guess any final thoughts from you as well as any social media links so that people can check out your arcade or your uh, website?
1: Sure, sure. So um, I guess some final thoughts, I mean, yeah, right now it is still a little bit of a lull um, with the pandemic. It's obviously causing a lot of, Pauses to continue, um, and it's hard to say when things will pick up. Uh, one thing that um, we talked a little bit about last time, and I was actually getting some messages um, from uh, the company right when we started, and that's uh, x Arcadia. Uh, they've they were going to have a lot of stuff coming along, but where they're based in Japan, and the pandemics continued to be. Pretty serious over there. They've just put a pause on everything, but uh, from the information that I just saw right before this, it looks like they're getting very close to rolling out um, some things and doing some new game announcements too. Um, But they've actually been testing in Dave and Buster's, and uh, one thing they just told me was that um, the with the fighting game that they have, the Kung Fu versus Karate Champ. it uh, is showing that a recoup its cost within eighteen weeks, like the cabinet plus the game and everything. And so uh, they're they're um, prepping some other stuff soon. But you know that's a good number that uh, they they threw out to me because they know I'm an operator as well. But um, you know that that's the sort of stuff that you want want to get. But you know, and hopefully with the Exa platform, um, if they're gonna, it's I believe they're gonna start ramping things up again soon you know that could be a platform that an indie developer may be interested in checking out i mean obviously they do want to vet the games and make sure that the games are appropriate for the arcade business Um, i know they've passed up on some before but if you can get your game onto that system that means that you don't have to worry about the hardware you know they handle it for you and uh the artwork and the marketing. And I think they have other resources too that um, can, can help you uh, along there. And so I'm, hoping, I'm hopeful that uh, it can be a huge boom to indie developers here at the end of this year and uh, throughout next. Uh, but I, I guess to throw out my uh, social media stuff, so the website's arcadeheroes.com um, and on facebook twitter uh, me way me we and um, youtube it's all arcade heroes on there as well and i've just steadily been growing on those but uh, if you haven't already please follow on there and i'll try and uh, make it worth your while for that
0: like awesome well thanks for coming on again adam um i really enjoyed talking it's always fun to to hear what's new with you, as as well as your opinion on some of these games, as an operator and a journalist, it's it's a really unique perspective. Um, and for anybody that's listening, definitely check out his stuff. He's got articles coming out all the time. I always check them out to see kind of what's new in the arcade scene. Um, it's just arcade scene in general, so it's pretty much anything that he feels like covering is covered. Um, but if you guys like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to subscribe, share, like, uh, and check us out on social medias. Um, but until next time. Peace.